0: Hey gang, it's your best buddy Adam here. Uh, I just want to say I apologize for there not being an episode of our usual roleplayer show this week. Um, you know, life got in the way and we weren't able to get a recording in, unfortunately. However, I know it's a little late, but I wanted to give you another Monster of the Week show to listen to. It's called Red Gate and Wolf. They're a newer podcast. They just got started a few weeks ago. I believe they just released episode four yesterday, uh, as of this recording anyway. Uh, and I reached out, they reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to do a, do a a retweet swap? And I said, I'll do you one better. I'll retweet you for free. And I would like to put your show in lieu of our show this week because we weren't able to record one. They were super excited. They're very fun. It's about a, a sassy thief, uh, who supplies the vehicle and the muscle who is a Scottish werewolf. And they go on a monster hunt together. It's a really cool concept. And they have already have guests on the show. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado... Here's Redgate and Wolf.
1: Welcome to Redgate and Wolf, an actual play on Monster of the Week podcast. I am your host and keeper, Sarah, and let me introduce the players. First up is Sean. Sean, that's a Q. Hi,
2: I'm Sean. I play Angus McRae, the monstrous.
1: And we also have Celeste.
3: Hello, I am Celeste and I play Mary
1: Redgate, the crooked. Let's start this off right. It's nighttime. You've got no idea what time it is. But Marie Redgate is not really toddling along, but gunning it along in her car, having just left a job that went very wrong. Marie, could you tell us a little bit about your car and your state of mind as you're heading east on this small state highway in the back end of nowhere?
3: Well, I'm in a uh, light blue, late 70s Volkswagen Rabbit. And. No thought process is just, it was such an easy job. How could I have fucked that up?
1: All right, so you're hurtling around down the state highway and you're coming up to a bridge. You think out of the corner of your eye, you see a sign. It says something along the lines of Old Ladyland Bridge. And just as you hit the bridge, you are hit by a sudden wave of sleepiness and your eyes start to droop and drop. Can you please give me the first roll of the game? Act under pressure. Oh god, where is that again? On your character sheet. I was just going to say that.
3: I'm feeling my role IRL. I don't see it.
1: Under pressure is a cool role. Ah, uh, okay. Experience, yay. For those listening, that is a complete and utter failure with a three. Your eyes close and your head nose dives forward as you fall asleep at the wheel. Very, very, very bad of you there, Marie. It is an unknown amount of time later that you slowly start to regain consciousness and your eyelids flutter open. And as you peek out over your steering wheel, you see quite the sight before you. You were not the only car to have crashed after coming over the old Ladyland Bridge. In fact, there are two other cars that seem to have suffered a very similar fate to your own. No one else, however, seems to have been moving or getting out of their cars. What do you do?
3: Well, first, take stock of any injuries that may
1: have occurred. Okay, you've taken two points of harm. You don't seem to have broken any bones, but from the look you get of your car seems to have taken the brunt of the impact for you. This car is probably never, ever, ever going to be riding along on the state highway again.
3: Well, it's a shame I like this car. Try to get out if the door still works. No. Right, it's stuck. Okay. Uh, and any windows broken that I could potentially climb through?
1: Pretty much all of the windows are broken. And it is really a miracle that you survived this crash. It's a testament to the workers and the designers of this car that this car has saved your life.
3: Well then, going to do a very graceful climb through the window.
1: Okay, sure. You minutes to do that and tumble out the other end onto the asphalt. You're able to tell that it's probably dawn or something around that. It's very early morning. Ah, uh, the two other cars. How close are they? They were in quick jogging distance. It's not too far away. It looks like perhaps one of them bounced off the other and maybe one of them also bounced off you, but you're not sure who caused this crash or if you're responsible at all.
3: Well, I'm not responsible. going to throw that out there. Uh, I want to take a peek into their cars.
1: The first one appears to be a standard SUV, a typical soccer mom car, and uh, slightly tinted windows. You can see that the driver is the only one on board, thankfully. Typical soccer mom. she's slumped over her steering wheel.
3: Are her windows gone too? Can I just like reach my hand in there?
1: One of the windows appears to be broken.
3: Is it conveniently the driver's side?
1: No, it's not.
3: I will tap on the window at the driver's side to see if she uh, stirs at all.
1: You do see movement, but she doesn't seem to be regaining consciousness. Not fully, anyway. Cool. So she's alive. Check the next car. Okay. Uh, Sean, can you tell us about Angus's car? It'll
2: be a a larger car, because he is a large individual. Uh, It's going to be a dark grey Chevy Tahoe, an older model. Dark tinted windows, probably shattered out due to the impact.
1: And Marie approaches. And you see, again, this car, this vehicle only has the sole occupant, the driver. You also note that the car is on the wrong side of the road. Does it look like it was driving on the wrong side or like it was, like, pushed? Mm, you're, You're not sure. I mean, how familiar are you with car crashes? I, okay, go up to that and tap the
3: window if it is there. If not, tap the person.
1: Okay, the window's are not there. You tap the male who has slumped over the steering wheel. This person is much more uh, awake and able to regain consciousness, and um, he pushes himself up into a seated position on his seat. Angus, as you're looking over at Marie, can you tell us what you look like, Marie? Pretty short, probably
3: like under 5'5". Slim build, wearing like 90s sort of grunge clothing. Uh, short black hair. Probably looks beat to shit right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. What is it? Marine is able to see of your Angus.
2: Well, since Angus is seated in the uh, vehicle, probably just yeah, you know, mostly the chest up. Appears to be a relatively large man, rather well built. He has kind of a uh, well kept beard. He's got black hair. He is muscular.
3: Okay. Tap his arm again. You know, just making sure he's okay. You know, not not trying to feel him up or anything. Just making sure he's okay.
2: Oh, what happened?
3: Looks like you were driving on the wrong side of the road. Crash into this van and my car.
2: Angus sticks his burly head out the window. Kind of looks around, forward and back. Looks at the damage. Ah, I was driving on the right side of the street.
1: Sorry, I needed a moment. Um, it's the accent, isn't it? It sure is.
2: Hey, I'm trying.
1: Good for you. <laughs> uh,
3: no, you can clearly see that you are on the wrong side of the road, and you hit us.
2: I think I'm driving on the right side of the road. You yanks that I have all weird.
3: And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, the lady in this van didn't look too good, so maybe you should get out and help.
2: Aye. Let's go check on her. Angus kind of pushes open the door of the wrecked Tahoe and steps out. He's about six foot five, about 200, eh, 250, 260 pounds. He's a very large individual. He's wearing a uh, rather messed-up must uh, white Oxford-style shirt, button-down shirt, and uh, have some uh, blackish-brown boots. And is, of course, wearing a tartan kilt. Standing next to Marie, he is probably Goliath to her David.
3: Does that mean I win in the fight?
1: Oh.
2: Ah, let's go last. Let's go check on this other person.
1: Give him a side eye. <laughs> go to the van. Okay, you see the woman just slumped over the steering wheel in her SUV.
2: Angus kind of reaches out a meaty hand and bangs on the roof of the car. Lady, lady, wake up.
1: You see her stir. She eventually... Pushes herself up from a slump position, blinks over to the two of you through the window. She doesn't seem to be focusing on anything, however, and there seems to be a lot of blood coming from a head wound.
3: I try to open the door.
1: It takes a while, but you eventually manage to open the door. Perhaps with a little help from Angus and his giant ham hock, meaty hands, and the woman seems to be murmuring something incomprehensible. She stares up at the giant before
2: her. Are you okay?
1: Uh, I think so. I, d- I don't really know what happened. One moment, I was driving along the bridge, and then the next moment, I, I, I'm i here with you.
3: Yeah, well, you see what happened. Was this guy pointed big old man.
2: We don't seem to know what happened. It seems we both, all of us seem to have ended up in the ditch here.
3: We all end up in the ditch because you were driving on the wrong side.
2: Angus scowls at Marie. He doesn't know that.
3: I'll be sure my insurance knows
1: that. Oh, um, has anybody called the emergency services? She says as she reaches for the glove box and pulls out her cell phone. Angus looks questioning at Marie.
3: I, um, maybe don't have my phone on me. Um, so no, haven't.
1: Okay. And And the poor woman starts tapping away at her cell phone and is put through to the local sheriff's department. Quick note, is Marie known to the authorities? I don't know, is she? I mean, how bad did that last job go? Guess we'll find out. (laughs) She hangs up the phone, she says, Oh, they said that the sheriff's sending a deputy out. He shouldn't be too far away. Is everyone okay?
2: I don't know, is Angus hurt?
1: We'll see how you fared. Give me an act under pressure to see how you handled that event in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's a five. That's a fail. Did you want to spend any luck? No. Well, you're about as beat up uh, as Maria's there, so that was two points of harm. Your car, however, is also very damaged. It could be repairable, but you'll probably be stuck wherever the closest town will be for a wee while. And for those who have uh, failed their rolls, don't forget to mark off experience.
3: Can I mark experience for his failed rolls as well?
1: No.
2: Sharing is caring.
3: Uh, question. The lady, if we're at about two harm, so that's like nothing's broken, What what's she looking?
1: Because you said she was bleeding pretty bad? Yeah, bleeding pretty bad from a head wound. Well, what would one roll to bandage? You can spend time trying to administer first aid.
3: Yeah, I'll take one of my layers and rip it up into bandages. See what I can do.
1: After you've ripped up your shirt, she says, "Oh dear, I have a first aid kit in the in the bag." No, it's 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 good. I didn't like the shirt, anyways. Just just chill. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I and she kind of gives you a look like she hopes it's clean. And as you're busy administering first aid, you hear the sirens from the sheriff's patrol car as the car pulls up not too far away, and a Lanky young man climbs out and approaches you. Uh, howdy, folk. Is everyone uh, alive and kicking?
2: The lady here is injured. What? The lady here is injured.
1: Yeah, this lady's injured. Oh well, well, why didn't you just say that? He comes over to have a look, and he says, uh, "I've got a, I've got a first aid kit in the trunk." And he runs off, and he goes grabs that, and he comes back over, and he says, "So my name's Deputy Mater." Sheriff sent me out to uh, check on you all. Uh, do you think we need an ambulance?
2: Angus looks rather incredulously at the deputy. The
1: deputy looks back at you, wide-eyed and innocent. I You what?
2: Aye, we need an ambulance.
1: Oh, all right. I'll just uh, call that through then. And he uh, reaches for his radio on his collar and calls that in. While that's happening, he has a look around the scene and he comes back to you and he says, so uh, what do you all reckon happened here, eh? I'll tell you
3: exactly what happened.
2: Angus just gives Maria a look.
1: This madman was driving on the wrong side of the road. See, that's his car over there. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. When abouts did this happen? Just, just now?
2: No, hold on a minute. I was not driving on the wrong side of the road. We all woke up. She came over to me. We came and found this lady.
1: You were sleeping together? No, no. No, no. No, no. his head looking really confused.
3: I was driving along at night, and then, it, just like in a movie, everything went dark. Not because it was night, but because, you know, everything went dark and, like, you, we crashed. And then we woke up,
1: and we called you guys. Uh So, let me get this straight. You all fell asleep while driving?
2: Aye, that's what it appears. I don't remember the crash.
1: Well, you know, if you ever feel tired, you should always pull over to the side of the road or a rest stop and uh, get some sleep. Because it is very, very bad to be driving while sleeping. I can assure
3: you, officer, that is always what I do. I was not sleepy. Just out of nowhere, this guy comes careening in the wrong lane, goes head on, and, you know, he must have passed out after the crash. You definitely saw this, ma'am? I mean, it was dark, and it's a dark car, so I didn't really see it, but it must have happened.
1: (laughs) You trying to manipulate him? Sure. (laughs) Okay, there's a role for that. Manipulate someone. Give me a charm roll.
2: I thought this was a family podcast.
1: That's a 12. <laughs> They're going to believe you. And he kind of reaches for his handcuffs, eyes, the really big man before him, and he's like, uh, Sir, perhaps we should all head to town and uh, discuss this.
2: I guess raises an eyebrow at the handcuffs, looking quite down at the deputy. Ah, aye, that's where we all headed, I assume, into town anyway.
1: Right, right. That's that's great, and it's not too long before the ambulance turns up and starts seeing to the lady from the SUV, and they take her away. The deputy gestures for the two of you to join him in the back seat of his vehicle.
2: Hey, what about our belongings?
1: Oh, uh, I I suppose if you can fit them in the trunk, hey.
2: Angus kind of shakes his head and returns to his vehicle. And then returns with a large duffel bag.
1: Dippity opens the trunk for you to try and squish it in. So exactly how beat up
3: is my car? with the trunk maybe open still?
1: (laughs) Well, we'll say no, because that's the most interesting
2: option. I mean, that's a rabbit. The entire thing's a trunk. That's... (laughs) Shut up. Angus looks to the lady. Marie, who's obviously in some uh, discomfort as her vehicle is damaged up and walks over to her. Yeah, I need some help.
3: You know, since you're offering, I will take you up on that offer. I need that bag in there.
2: Very careful with it. Angus looks in the window, sees the bag, looks down, finds a nice-sized stone, and then smashes the stone to the back window.
1: Sure. The glass rains down on the belongings in the back seat of the rabbit. You're able to reach in and pull out the bag for the young lady.
2: Angus then hands over the bag. Here you go.
3: I mean, since you already have it, like, do you think you could take it to the trunk of you know, the officer guy?
2: He raises both bushy eyebrows, kind of gives a shrug, shakes the bag to get any of the glass off, and motions to, for Marie to go forward.
3: She will walk towards the deputy man's car.
2: Angus obviously follows bag in hand.
1: He helps you find room in the trunk for the lady's luggage, and then holds the back door open for you both.
3: No, but which side is he opening it on? Like, going in first, who would be sitting where? You tell me. Because it would probably be smart for Marie to sit behind the driver's side.
1: Okay, you can do that then.
3: Angus has got a lot of leg.
2: Looks like it'll be a tight fit. I have
3: plenty of roomy in here. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Angus just looks so deaf. Any chance I could sit in the front.
1: Uh, well... And he kind of eyeballs your height. And he's like, mm-hmm. Okay. He opens the door for you.
2: Gets in and sits down.
1: Yeah, the deputy quickly runs around to the driver's side, hops on in, speeds off, and as he drives to the, along the state highway to the turnoff, he says, Well, this here town is uh, known as Hendrix, y'all. I'll be taking you straight through to the sheriff's office. And Sheriff Winners will probably want to uh, talk to you. And we'll get your statements and try and find out what happened.
2: Sounds fair. Who's going to take care of the cars? What? Who's going to take care of the cars? Who is going to take care
1: of the... Oh, the the vehicles? Oh, now don't worry about that. I'll have a boy sent out to, to retrieve them or uh, put them on a tow truck because it do not look like they'll be going anywhere anytime soon.
2: That's very comforting.
1: Uh-huh you drive past a series of little small town shops a bar and restaurant as well as a chapel of some kind and pull out behind the sheriff's office and you're both led in and introduced to a rather older man with white bushy mustache white bushy eyebrows very little hair on the top of his head you get the feeling this is sheriff winter's and he says huh not a lot of sleeping drivers, huh?
2: This has happened before?
1: Ah, uh, just seems the past few months it's been. Uh, I mean, we don't get many people coming along this way, but yeah. Nighttime, so many cars, just, they doze right off. That's why we've got so many signs. Didn't you see the signs? I've posted so many signs along that road. Don't drive while tired. Right. Well, I can assure you,
3: uh, Mr. Sheriff, that I was not sleeping. I was alert as can be until the crash happened when this fine gentleman here was driving on the wrong side of the road. You're driving on the
2: wrong side of the road? I think it's his arms again. I was not driving on the wrong side of the road. I was driving on the right side of the road.
1: Are you sure? I mean, if you'd fallen asleep on the wheel, you could veer it off into the wrong lane, and that could have been the cause of, well, what happened?
2: Then I wouldn't have been driving on the wrong side of the road, would I? I would have been asleep at the wheel.
1: Oh, you're telling me the car was driving itself? Uh Aha! So you admit you were asleep at the wheel?
2: Whether I was asleep or not, I do not know. I just know one minute I was driving, the next minute I woke up in a ditch.
1: Uh, Well, all I can do is really slap you two with, and the other woman, with fines. Give you a warning. Probably point you in the direction of the mechanics, and they can probably point you in the direction of somewhere to stay while you're waiting for your cars to be repaired. Now, I do appreciate your leniency here. However, I, I
3: don't feel it fair that me and that other woman be fined for the wrongdoings of Mr. Big Man here.
1: Uh, are you trying to manipulate the sheriff as well? If it saves me money, yes. <laughs> Charm roll, then. It's a six, that's a fail. Listen here, missy. You are just as tired as the other two. Now, unless the repair shop says there's any paint flecks of one of the other's cars on the other... You're all at fault, so I suggest you just take the fine and be quiet while you're in my town. Give him a little salute.
2: Angus just kind of nods stoically.
1: Mater! Mater! Get your button here! And the lanky young deputy comes tumbling in, It's like he's been listening through the door. Uh, yes sir? Do the paperwork and charge him the fine. Get them off to the mechanics. Uh, yes sir? And he just uh, just for you to follow him out to the main bull pit, and you guys have been processed for your fines. While that's happening, he glances over at Angus and he says, "Uh, will you have a chance heading over to Joplin for the music festival that's happening in a few days?"
2: "Aye, that I was." thought you knew."
1: "Was
3: the uh, skirt." Marie is going to burst out laughing.
2: Angus yeah, very slowly looks down at his kill. And very slowly looks back up at the, the deputy. This is not a skirt. It's not? No, nah, it's a kilt.
1: Well, I only ask because it's for the Drag Queen Music Festival. And who you are in a skirt. Maria's now doubled over.
2: <laughs> a drag Queen, are you saying that I'm a woman?
1: Uh, no, sir. No, sir. I'm saying you very much like 100% man to me with all the muscles and thick, thick leg hair. Yes, sir.
2: Aye. Indeed. Let's just finish with the paperwork, please. We didn't get all with the light.
1: I have the utmost respect for people who dress as men, women, or anything in between, sir. This
2: is ridiculous.
1: So he slaps you with fines both of you, the same amount. Wow, actually, no, I think he would have uh, bought into what Marie said earlier when she manipulated him. And hers is half the price. How much is half the price? (laughs) Uh, $250. Oh, that's still so much.
2: Okay. Dang gum. Is that, public? Like, does he, like, say, oh, yet yeah, for you 500 for you 250 or how's that go down? Yeah, sure. Now, wait a minute. How can my fine is so much more than hers?
1: Um, she prettier?
2: I think you best check yourself, Sonny. That's not fair. I think we should both have the same fine.
1: If you want my opinion
3: on this, I think it's plenty fair that the person at fault should be charged more, and I'll give the deputy a little
1: wink.
2: He Blushes. This is unbelievable.
1: Well, uh, sir, if you have a, a problem with that, you can always take it off with the sheriff.
2: I just might. Now go ahead and give us our belongings and point us to the mechanic so we can get out of this place.
1: Uh, certainly. And he toddles off to do that, points you off down the road that there is a mechanic's, and you see that there's already a tow truck on its way back with the rabbit.
2: I guess Frown's looked around for his vehicle.
1: Not there yet. They only have the one tow truck, sir. Small town, you know. Indeed. Uh, If you're looking for a place to stay, I highly recommend the uh, Watchtower Tavern. It's a restaurant, bar, and a hotel. Motel, most likely.
2: Sounds wonderful.
1: Well,
3: um, tall man, since we're heading the same direction, think you could carry my bags?
2: Angus just looks at Marie and just stares for a minute.
3: You don't expect me to carry it all that way. Just look at me. Look at you. What would people think?
2: They'll think that you're a liar, because that's what I think. But i will carry your bag, and only because you're a lady, or at least that appearance kind of scoops up her bag with his.
1: And you're heading to the mechanics?
2: I thought we were at the mechanics.
1: Sorry, you're at the mechanics. Where are we going? A well-oiled man appears from the mechanics shop as you arrive, claps his hands together, and he says, Hello, hello, customers. My name is Joel. One of you the owner of this fine vehicle over here. And he points to what remains of the rabbit. Yes, that would be me. Um, I
3: it, it was fine at one point, but I think those days are behind it.
1: Mm, pity. Really well-built machine, then. Sure is. Gotten me out of a few tight spots. Well, such a shame. Looks like it's totaled. Would you like to sell it to me for scrap? How much would I get for it? Fifty dollars. I think you could do a bit better than that. Huh? I don't think you can do any better than that, if you ask me, considering I'm the only mechanic in town. I want to manipulate him by batting my eyelashes at him.
2: (laughs) Crazy.
1: Shut up. Okay, we know how to go. It's a floor failure. He kind of looks over at um, Angus and bats his eyelashes at him. Well, I see
3: that I am out of my element here. I will take what you are offering. Excellent
1: choice, my dear. And he happily takes the uh, the key, I assume, <laughs> and hands over $50 in small denominations. Shove it into different pockets. He looks over to Angus and he says, so, Tahoe, that one yours?
2: Aye. I, I don't see it here yet.
1: Picking up that one next. I reckon we could probably fix it. If just uh, have a look and see uh, how bad it is and uh, I can get back to you uh, if... We might need pants. Might take a while. If you give me your number. I could call you.
2: I don't have a phone, but you can reach me at this. We uh, watch Tarot Tavern. I'll, I'll be staying there.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. You will love it.
2: I am so. it's charming.
1: Mhm, mhm. My sister Meadow runs the place, so I might see you there.
2: Aye. Well, thank you, uh, Shadow. We must be going.
1: Okay. Any kind of watches you
2: leave? I just kind of puts both bags under one arm because, you know, you can do that. And uh, kind of directs Marie back and away towards the uh, tavern where it was pointed to in a very quick pace.
1: All right, so you guys march up to the tavern, and you see it has a kind of a facade across the top that looks pretty much like a watchtower. And it's clear from the music coming out of it that this is a tavern that really, really likes Jimi Hendrix.
2: A strange facade for a tavern. That man was weird, don't you think?
1: I think that a
3: lot of people are weird. I'll give them a pointed look.
2: You have no idea.
3: I don't know. I think the whole get up gives me a pretty good idea.
2: What's wrong with the long way I dress? These are many people I know dress.
3: And do the people you know go to that um, drag show
2: festival? Thank you, scowls at Marie, but doesn't answer.
1: So you guys pull open the door and you hear the Jimi Hendrix music much more clearly now. Uh, probably Foxy Lady or something like that. You walk in. There's a few patrons. They all seem to be going about their own business, or kind of watching the long blonde-haired woman who's dressed pretty much like a flower child, the stereotype, and is dancing around in the in the middle of the bar.
2: Charming indeed.
3: I don't know. So far, I like what I see. Um, is there a front desk area, or is it? A, is there a bartender?
1: There's no one behind the bar at the moment. Is there a bell on the bar? Yeah, it's a bell. I will push the bell once, and then three times really fast. Awesome. The woman who's spinning around in the middle of the bar kind of jumps to attention, and she shuffles on over, and you realize she's got flowers in her hair and her feet are bare, and she says, "Hi, my name's Meadow. What's
3: yours?" Oh well, I am Marie, and this is a very tall man who I just realized I don't know his name, but we we crashed and. We need. We really need a place to stay tonight. Oh, no
1: judgment here. Free love. Who bothers with the labels these days? So is it a room for one? One room?
2: I, no, no, absolutely not.
1: Oh, your accent is darling. How much is it per room per night? Oh, $30 a night for a single room. 40 for a double. And it has a really big bath.
3: You know, I think I think we will take a double. Uh how how big is the bed in there? Is, there? is there any couches in there? Uh yeah, there's a couch. It pulls out. That is perfect.
1: Excellent, I'll get you your key, Marie And she kind of ballerinas away behind the bar. Grabs the key.
2: Mangus looks down at Marie while Meadow is doing her thing. I didn't agree to one room. Don't you think that's a bit presumptuous?
3: Look, our cars just crashed. They're going to need a lot of work. We're saving money. Both got a fine. It's fine. There's a pullout. We don't. It's fine.
2: Fine. It seems that
1: I get the rot into the deal all around. You see Meadow pull out a book, and it's a sparkly book with unicorns on it. And she grabs a pen and she writes in big flowery letters Marie, and I'm sorry, what was your name again? Angus. Angus just rolls off the tongue.
2: Uh, I meadow.
1: <laughs> That's me. And she hands over the key to Marie and she gives you both a wink and she says, enjoy, before she runs around the bar and starts dancing again in the middle of the bar as the next song comes on, Voodoo
2: Child. So do you actually know these songs or did you just Google Jimi Hendrix songs? I just Googled. I figured.
1: I'm familiar a little with some of them, but since I named the town Hendrix, I decided to go all out.
2: That's fair. I suppose we should go at least deposit our belongings.
1: That we should, and make our way to the room. All right, off you go upstairs to the room. It is small and cozy, and Angus probably can't fit on that couch. He'll barely fit on the bed even.
2: Angus kind of takes a look at the bed, takes a look at the couch. I don't think I could do to pull out.
3: Do you think I would be so mean as to make you sleep on this tiny little couch when you are that tall?
2: Angus just kind of looks at Marie. At this point, I don't know what you're thinking.
3: Shrug, take her bag from you. Toss it on the couch.
2: Nah, no, I wouldn't have you sleep on the couch. That wouldn't be right. I'll take the couch, but not. And he sets his own bag on the couch, which makes a rather solid sound.
3: No, no. You, You are the taller one. You get the bigger sleeping
2: surface. Nay. I think I'll be the bigger person here. You're part of the pun. You're the lady. Take the bed.
3: I don't know if I am the lady. Which one of us is wearing a skirt?
2: The couch it is.
1: So is that settled?
2: Angus picks up his bag and moves it to the bed and sets it on the bed. Is there anything else of note in this cozy, comfy double occupancy?
1: Other than the little chocolates on each pillow? Not really, but there is a door, presumably off to the ensuite.
2: I don't know what that means.
1: The ensuite bathroom? What do you call it in America? The bathroom. It's called an ensuite. The Commonwealth people outnumber you here. <laughs> to the attached bathroom then. Presumably with the really big bath.
2: Ugh. What do we do now?
3: Well, I have had a long day. I am going to take a bath and try to forget it, so that's what I'm gonna do.
1: Remember, it was sometime after six a.m. when you guys woke up in your wrecked cars, and we're all bloody and stuff. Got got to clean that off. True, true, true.
2: Man, they were jamming out at six, seven o'clock in the morning.
1: This is meadow, man. Well, it's probably like more nine or ten o'clock in the morning now after the whole thing went down.
2: That went down, man. I I think a we'll wash up will do you well. You look a mess.
1: Shoot him a look. Grab a change of clothes. Go off to the bathroom. Oh, that bath is almost like a swimming pool for you. Well, almost like a hot tub for you. It is huge. Probably a tight fit for Angus still,
2: but yeah. Yeah, You know, it's all about positioning.
1: Oh, no.
2: Well, yeah, you don't have to just, you know, squeeze all the way into the tub. You can just, you know, step in, hang your legs out, sit in it.
1: But then your feet will get cold. Moving along. Uh, Once the door closes to the bathroom, Angus, your cell phone rings.
2: I answer the phone. Hello.
1: Ah, uh, Angus, my boy, have you arrived? It's the voice of Mr. Ephraim, your patron.
2: No, had a bit of a mishap. Got in a car accident on the way.
1: Oh, dear. We're driving on the wrong side of the road again. In America, they drive on the right, not the left.
2: There it goes with that again. You don't do anything wrong here. down the wrong side of the road, you sit on the wrong side of the car. I can't ever get anything done here.
1: Well, it's just the way it is in a foreign country, there, my boy. How close are you to Joplin, anyway?
2: Uh, not too far away. Ended up in a town called uh, the, the Hendrix. Hendrix.
1: Oh, that's good. That's pretty close. Hopefully, that siren will uh, be turning up soon, and we'll be able to get this show on the road.
2: I I suspect there's something amiss here in this town as well. It's a strange occurrence, which even caused the car accident in the first place. I think. Uh-oh. Aye. There was a young lady involved in the wreck. She says something about falling asleep suddenly as she was driving. And then there was another young lady as well who had the same thing happen to her.
1: So it wasn't your driving, was it? That's good to know.
2: No, that my driving. While he's conversing on the phone with Mr. Ephraim, he's going to kind of point and look around, listen for the tub to go with um, Marie and then snoop in her bag.
1: Okay. Marie, what does he find in
3: your bag? Well, along with some, you know, assorted clothing items, um, there is a very large knife, a hunting rifle, and a nine millimeter.
2: I guess as he's conversing that that time simultaneously with uh, Mr. Ephraim, it's kind of picking each of these items up, kind of looking at them, and putting them gently back in. Is there any identification in there? Passport, driver's license?
3: No, she, she took that with her into the room. It was in her pocket.
2: That's fair. And he'll gingerly just sit the bag back up as if nothing happened and continue with his conversation. Aye, there appears to be something amiss here as well.
1: Well, it sounds like it. If you will, fell asleep at the wheel, seems a bit of an odd coincidence. I uh, will uh, have my assistant hint the books to see if there is any kind of monsters or creatures that uh, put people to sleep. Otherwise, it's probably more likely to be something magical in nature. I'll trust you to take the next couple of days to look into it, my boy. But after that, uh, you'll have to make your way to Joplin.
2: Aye, uh, it'll take a couple of days for the car to be fixed. But that'll give me enough time to look around.
1: Mm-hmm. Very well, call me if you need anything. Aye. Cheerio.
2: And he ends the call. And angles will kind of set his bag down from the bed. And is there like a kitchenette or anything in this room? Or is it just a suite and then the on suite?
1: There is a sink and it looks like
2: coffee seems to be the extent of it. Ankles kind of go over to the sink and start washing himself off a little bit, paper towels or washcloth and start blotting his face anywhere he can kind of feel where he may be oozing. Where he may be oozing? Do you think? It's an interesting choice of words. Well, you know, assuming it's capillary bleed, maybe ooze.
1: Okay. So you guys uh, both clean yourselves up quick question. By taking a nice soothing bath, does any of my harm go away, please? you take some time to treat your injuries, you can um, reduce it by one. Yeah, it's going to be a very long bath.
2: I'm going to change my rumpled shirt Put on a different shirt. This one will be light blue. And uh, just wait. Just kind of kick back on the bed.
1: You're waiting for Marie.
2: I'm leaving her alone with my bag.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Marie, how long do you spend in the bathroom? Probably like an hour and a half or so. You eventually make your way out, feeling uh, a lot better than you did when you went in. You see Angus laying back on the bed, having tried to tidy himself up and changing his shirt.
2: All finished then.
1: Yeah, this path is... she wasn't lying.
3: It's quite sizable.
2: I'm sure. I was going to head downstairs. I saw a few pamphlets, some maps, find out what there may be to do in this town. You're welcome to join me.
3: You know, that is a very tempting offer, but why would I? Have rendered him speechless. Wow.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking. Hold on. (laughs) That's a fair question. I don't really have an answer for that. I'm just going down then.
3: Maria will go to her bag, tuck her old clothes in, and slip the nine millimeter into her waistband
1: and follow him. As you guys head downstairs, you find Meadow behind the bar as she's handing over some plates of stew. It looks like to a patron. She's swaying in time to the music behind the bar.
2: Ah, that looks good. What is it?
1: Oh, just vegetable stew. It's delicious. Would you like some? No meat? No meat. That would be why it's called vegetable stew.
2: I guess is an eyebrow. I should all have a plate.
1: Excellent. She skips off to the kitchen returns a few moments later with a extra large serving for the big burly man in the kelch. Thank you. And she resumes twirling around.
2: Yep, she so he accepts the plate, goes over and snags a couple of the pamphlets and leaflets and pretty much one of each and everything that's there.
1: Including a map.
2: I guess takes his bevy and goes over to a uh, open table. he knows Marie's behind him kind of indicates for her to sit too if she'd like
3: and she does, but because she wanted to, not because he offered.
2: Angus just takes one bite of the stew and kind of sets it aside, and then starts leafing through the different maps, pamphlets, so on and so forth, looking for references as to what's in town or around town.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems that this town has taken the name Hendrix to heart and not just the Watchtower. Tavern is the only one that goes by a, a moniker similar to something that Jimi Hendrix uh, either sang about. And there's various places like uh, the mechanics, is the Voodoo Mechanics, there's the Sheriff's Department, Stratos End Chapel. They do cater mainly towards that musical tourism side, although there really isn't that much to see here. You gather that Joplin's the larger township, which has the music festival and more interesting uh, things to do there. This is just some little town that's trying to grab tourists any way it can.
2: It seems to be a small town just trying to grab tourists any way it can. What brings you in this area?
1: Sightseeing. What about you?
2: I like, well, like I said, I have business in Joplin, just up the road. You don't look like much of a tourist, and I would hardly take you for a Jimi Hendrix fan. Well,
3: oh, you know, I heard the town was eccentric. And do tourists have a typical look?
2: You're asking a man wearing a kilt that question.
3: That's a fair point.
2: There's not much sights to see in this town. You got this chapel over there, a couple little things other than that, but a dot on the map.
3: I mean, I'm sure the you know natural landscape and wildlife, that's probably pretty, right?
2: No, wildlife indeed.
3: So, are you going to be calling that mechanic?
2: No. No, I do think I'll keep my distance from him until I pick up my car. Gave me a weird vibe, you know?
3: What you could probably do is get a really great discount on whatever work he's doing on your car. Kind of stares at Marie. You can question it or look down on it or whatever, all you want, but you have to admit it works She'll take out the ticket and wave it
2: around. Yeah, you do seem somewhat experienced in that field.
3: That seems to be a rather forward statement.
2: This is from a lady who just told me I should sell myself, not to get a discount or fix my car.
3: I don't think I ever used those words. Not to say that's not kind of what I was implying, but you don't have to do anything. You just give him a smile and it's whatever.
2: Perhaps I'll consider it.
3: Has he, like, touched the stew at all since the first bite? Had one bite. It's just sitting there. Real, pull it over. Start eating it. Oh, it's very nice.
2: So, Marie, was it? What kind of business are you in?
3: Kind of between jobs right now. Things didn't end too well at my last job, so I figured I'd take a little break. You know, get get out a little bit more.
2: Aye, sightseeing, so you said.
3: You know, sometimes just need a fresh start, clean slate. What what business did you have in in Joplin? I don't believe you said.
2: Aye, I didn't. I'm in acquisitions.
3: I had a job in acquisitions myself. Quite prosperous.
2: Did you now? Where did you last work? Perhaps we have some connections.
3: Uh, Well, you know, like I said, last job didn't go too great. So probably best not to mention.
2: Ah, That's fair. That's fair. What uh of acquisitions? The product?
3: Antiques, mostly. You know, I'm not sure if I'm such a fan of this uh, conversation that we're having.
2: I don't mean the pride. Simply making conversation as you eat my stew.
3: You left it there. It was sitting there for a while. After, you know, as some time passes, it becomes free domain.
2: I call that theft in some places.
3: Or I, I acquired the stew.
2: Acquisitions, indeed.
3: So, we're both stuck here for a couple days. I'm probably going to be stuck here for longer, because my car is
2: toast. You sold your vehicle to the mechanic, so you don't even have a car.
3: I mean, that is technically the uh, the truth, I suppose.
2: Well, because I'm a nice guy, despite your little untruth about me driving alongside the road, perhaps I can give you a lift as far as Joplin, if that's the direction you're trying to go with your sightseeing.
1: Question for the Keeper. Is Joplin like a bigger city? It is a bigger town. It's also back in the direction you came from. Is it where I came from? No.
3: Oh, okay. You know, that'd be a little bit of uh, backtracking, but probably have a better chance of finding a car there than here.
2: you no. Perhaps then you can maybe help me with the fine then that you've done stuck on me. But we can work out those details later.
3: Guess we'll just have to see uh, how it goes.
2: Angus nods for a minute. He's forward on the table on his elbows, hands kind of folded in front of him. So, what's with all the high-power weaponry in your bag?
3: Real choke on the bite of soup that she was having. <clears throat> I, I don't know what you mean.
2: Indeed. It's quite plain it's there. I could just as easily walk down to the sheriff's department and go tell him about these large weapons in your bag. So perhaps since we'll be shedding a room and I have to be careful that you're not going to kill me in the night, you could at least tell me what they're for and I'll decide whether or not that should be the option.
3: Well, I have to ask how you know that they're in my bag and how I know you didn't put them there. I'm sure if I told the sheriff that you were trying to frame me for something, I mean, I'm sure his deputy would believe me at the very least.
2: Angus sits kind of back in the chair again. The hands are still kind of folded in front of him on the table. I I suppose you could tell that story, except uh, I'm not sure the sheriff would believe you.
3: You did kind of get off on the wrong foot. Well, answer my question. Maybe I'll answer yours. Why were you snooping?
2: Well, in my line of business, when one person crashes into another, for whatever reason, I might add, not that I was driving on the wrong side of the road, and then they end up in the same room, against their will does take measures to try and figure out why this happened
3: are you often this fearful of your life or in your line of work
2: well, i see it's not a matter of fear it's a matter of precaution
3: well that's my answer as well In my line of work you take all the necessary precautions and i don't have the same advantages you do
2: angus appears to consider for a moment and kind i of quietly nods i suppose that's fair i suppose that's fair indeed the one question i have Are you going to try and kill me in the night and steal my belongings? Or do you just have these two for your protection?
3: For your peace of mind. They're just for my protection.
2: Well, it's always good to carry protection. You never know when you'll need it.
3: Come on, man. It's like, crazy.
2: So, now that we've decided that neither one of us is to be trusted, what do we do now?
3: Well, not that I'm saying that I fell asleep or was at fault for the accident. did get pretty drowsy crossing the bridge, wondering if the same thing happened to you.
2: I but like I said, I was driving towards Japlin, but before I got to the bridge, I don't remember what happened.
3: I want to, like, peer at the map. Is there a library in here? Sure. Oh, well, if this has been happening for a while, we could probably talk to, well, I could probably talk to the deputy. I'm sure he'd want to talk to me. Um, You could talk to the mechanic. See what we find out? Maybe hit up the library?
2: I suppose that's amiable.
3: Okay, finish up the stew. Are there two maps or only one map?
1: Only one map. God dang it.
2: Could we not just grab another one from the counter, put it out there?
1: Probably. Or you could even take a photo of it with your phone if you have one. No no. We'll
3: make this hard. I'll I'm, I'm
1: gonna take the map and you can figure it out.
2: Angus raised both eyebrows. Alright. The tail ain't that big. Shouldn't be that hard.
1: Alright, so you two are splitting up. Let's go with Marie first. Where are you headed, Marie? Uh, going to the sheriff's place. You retrace your steps back to the sheriff's office. Is Deputy Mater around? Deputy Mater does look like he's around. He seems to be helping himself to some filtered water. Walk over to him. And Maybe just bump him
3: on the way by so he spills the water. Oh, oh. Oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Are you okay? And I'll like, grab towels or napkins or whatever close by and
1: start patting. <laughs> he starts blushing and he's like, Oh, oh, ma'am, I'm perfectly fine. Uh, don't don't mind me. I obviously wasn't go- looking where I was going. Oh, well, you know, it's actually really great that I ran into you because I was actually wanting to talk to you.
3: If you have the time, of course. I know you're really busy here.
1: Oh, you, you were? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I'm very busy, but I'm sure I can fit in just a few words for you, ma'am. I really appreciate it. Um, Come this way. And he leads you off to uh, one of the interrogation rooms and kind of wipes down the chair for you and just, just for you to take a seat. Again, I
3: really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I just had some questions. Like, people were crashing on the bridge. I think the sheriff mentioned that that wasn't the first time. Or maybe that was you that mentioned it. You know, the crash really sort of
1: rattled my brain. Um, you sure I, I can take you to the hospital over in Joplin to get, get you uh, checked out? Oh, no, no, it, it'll
3: it be fine. Just need to sleep it off.
1: Okay, uh, we've, uh, past few months, like, oh, it seems like almost every other day seems to be, you know, people just dozing right off and riding off the road. That's why the sheriff had them, uh, them sounds put up, you know? Okay. Did anything seem, like, different
3: in the last few months, other than the crashing, of course? Any sudden deaths
1: or anything? Um, well, not that I was, not that I can recall. Okay. Well, enough about that. You know,
3: dark stuff. What is there to do around here?
1: Oh well, um, there is the uh, Watchtower Tavern. There's karaoke night. Oh my gosh, when I love karaoke. Oh, you do? Um, well, maybe, maybe you should go. You and uh, you're you're staying there, right? Yes. Yeah, I got a room there. It's the the lady Meadow, she's so nice. Huh, yes, she is. Um, well, karaoke uh, tonight from six till eight o'clock. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what about like the other places?
3: Like, I know there's a a chapel here. I think Strato's End
1: was it? Uh yes, ma'am. There is a the the preacher over at Strato's End is quite the entertaining. Keeps his doors open until just after eight p.m. every night. Otherwise, there's the library. Uh, we've got a roller rink. Uh, I'm afraid there's probably uh, not that much you would find interesting for a city girl like you, though. I think that you'll find that I,
3: goddammit, that I'm not like most other city girls. And I find plenty of things, plenty interesting. about my eyelashes at it.
1: Oh, oh, oh! And he uh, kind of puts a finger under his collar and pulls it aside from his skin for a moment to air himself off. Well, um, perhaps you would be interested in uh, accompanying me to the karaoke tonight, M- Miss Marie, if I might be so bold. Well, I, I am quite flattered with the offer, and we'll just see how
3: how the night progresses. Oh my God.
1: Well, as long as we get home by 8.30 p.m., I think we'll be fine. Well, I think I'm going to go
3: um check out some of the sites that you have told me about. And again, I really
1: appreciate all of your help. Thank you. Um, uh, Glad to be of service. And I'll see you there tonight at, at the Watchtower, Miss Marie. It's, it's it's a date. Sure. It's a date.
3: And I, I, I want to leave now.
1: All right. And you do. What's Angus up to? Well, this flirtation was going on. Oh my
2: God. I don't know how I can follow up with that. Goodness.
1: Aren't you going to the mechanics?
2: In a manner, yes. So uh, once uh, Murray leaves, he kind of turns and goes back up to the room and gathers his bag and uh, comes back down.
1: His giant duffel?
2: Yes. And uh, makes his way from memory back to the uh, voodoo mechanics.
1: Mm-hmm. Joe catches sight of him from the other side of his scraped, heaped rabbit, wipes his hands on the rag and comes on out to have a talk to you, and he goes, Oh, back so soon. I've got your Tahoe here. Why didn't you tell me it was a rental? You didn't ask. Oh, uh, I guess that's on me then, huh? I've called up the rental company and I'm um, dealing with it through them, so I guess I don't really have a reason to call on you now.
2: Ugh. You didn't need to call me. I came back down. It seem like a knowledgeable person in this town.
1: I'm sorry, a what?
2: A knowledgeable person in this town.
1: Knowledgeable. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been here all my life. That so. so mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Born and bred.
2: What is there to do in this small town? Uh,
1: nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, Meadow. Um, she has karaoke nights at the Watchtower. Got a roller rink, mainly for the kids, though. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's the library. Sheriff's office. There's a school. But you're probably not interested in a school. No, you're not interested in a school. Uh what kind of entertainment are you looking for if you don't mind my asking?
2: I'm just looking for something to buy the time into my vehicles repaired. I'm away to Joplin. How far away is Joplin from here?
1: Oh Stones throw, really? Several miles. It's not that far.
2: Oh, that's good. You get a lot of people passing through from Joplin in the area?
1: Ah, some come and go, but I mean, most don't bother turning off the highway to Hendricks at all. Small people want to go to Joplin as opposed to coming to Hendricks. Story of my life.
2: Oh, shame. It seems like a charming town.
1: You're too kind. No, really, you are. You're too kind. This place is a hellhole. I'm saving my money to get out.
2: A hellhole, you say? Just because it's small?
1: No, it's because... The place shuts down at eight o'clock every night. We're all in bed by nine.
2: Seems awful early. Any reason for it? You all came to that conclusion you're going to go to bed at nine?
1: No, it's just after a long day's work. It's just, well, it's just sleepy and you just fall asleep. Makes it really hard to enjoy yourself, you know, when you're alone with a special someone. Get my meaning?
2: Uh, aye, no matter what I do. So everybody feels sleepy at the same time at nine o'clock at night? That does not seem bizarre.
1: I um, I don't know about other people, but that's certainly when I seem to fall asleep.
2: Has it always been that way?
1: Uh, no, it just seems to be the last few months. Maybe it's because winter's coming. One moment I'm wide awake. Next moment I've just got to crawl into my bed.
2: Hey, it could be the winter. It does get darker earlier. Ah, uh, perhaps you could point me to way to the library. I do fancy a good read now and again.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, around the corner and down the block, not too far away.
2: Well, thank you, John. I appreciate your assistance.
1: Uh, that's Joel, Joel, J-O-E-L.
2: Right, Joel, that's what I said.
1: Oh, could you say my name one more time, please? Joel. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, are uh, you going to be at the tavern for dinner? Because and he's like eyeing up your giant duffel bag. Oh, you're not staying at the tavern?
2: Oh, hey, I'm staying. I just like leave my belongings unattended.
1: Oh well, you know Meadows doesn't look like she's all there, but she runs a a really good tavern. It's very secure. I can assure you that.
2: Aye, I'm sure she runs a tight ship. However, you never knew going to make a snoop around and look in someone else's bag. That ain't polite, you know.
1: Very. I mean, especially in an adult male's private belongings, certainly.
2: Aye. I well, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. <laughs> you do. And Agus just, just walks away.
1: I'll see you tonight at the tavern for dinner.
2: He calls after you. Kind of waves a hand in the air. Keeps on trucking.
1: Okay, back to Marie. Anything? Uh, we didn't really mention where to
3: meet up. What time is it roughly?
1: Mm, we can always jump ahead to dinner time. If you don't have anything else to do, I'd rather get back to Angus if he's going to the library.
2: I mean, it's a small town in theory. I'm sure we would pass one another in the way. Or you would see the freaking towering giant just strolling through town.
3: That's fair. We'll meet up at the library. Completely coincidental.
2: Naturally. Sure.
1: Okay, so Angus, you walk in and you see Marie is already in the library. What are you doing, Marie? Uh, just leisurely browsing the, uh, the shelves. Okay. And you look up and you see Angus stomping into the library, carrying his rather large doffer bag over
0: his
2: shoulder.
3: You know, we rented a room, right? A room where you can leave things so you don't have to carry them with you.
2: Luckily, does are prepared.
3: Quite a level of uh, paranoia you have there. So, what brings you here?
2: My own two feet. Possibly also the same thing that brought you here. A little curiosity.
3: Well, what did you and the uh, mechanic talk about?
2: Oh, this and that. It's like he's going to be able to repair my truck without too much issue. Got a hold a rental company. And don't get taken care of. Also, I did find something that, uh, strange. Oh, here we go, the fucking Russian accent again. Something rather strange.
3: And are you going to keep me in suspense?
2: You didn't ask now, did you? It seems that everybody in this town goes to bed at the rough the same time, nine o'clock. Something that's only started in the past couple months. Found that very strange considering we were both driving on the road, I assume, at the same time. And I left, I looked at the stereo clock, and it said nine o'clock. That's the last thing I remember.
3: Might be a coincidence, but uh these these crashes on, on that bridge. They started a few months ago, probably around the same time.
2: Aye. So perhaps there are some records here in the library that could explain such a phenomenon. Or at least perhaps some research into the number of vehicle clashes on that roadway.
1: Is there like a, a newspaper archive section? Sure, the, um, if there are computers nearby. It looks like they've at least moved into the 20, it 21st century, were it? And you can look these things up on the internet. Doing some internet sleuthing. Is that a role? You could try, investigate a mystery, but I warn you that I can only answer based on the information that could be available in this form, and you should probably only ask one of the questions on there that is relevant to the means you were searching. So that's a sharp. Okay, That's a seven. That is a mixed success. So You can ask one question, or you can hold it until later.
3: I guess it wouldn't make sense at this point to ask what sort of creature it would be. I guess I could do, like, a general search of, like, what makes
1: people fall asleep. <laughs> like, what can it do?
3: I guess more like a laundry list of, like, what creatures, if any, are known to create a strict bedtime for people, just cause people to pass out.
1: From your Google searching, you were able to determine that there are no fictional creatures that are supposedly indigenous to this area.
2: Well, hangus is watching, rather. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Why not, I guess, it's Marie's use for computer, because computer is one of those. You kind of notice that she's searching for creatures that could cause this. Do you think there's some kind of creature that could be causing this? What would make you think that?
3: What makes you think that I think that? Close the tabs.
2: I can read, you know.
3: It's nothing to read. It's a blank screen.
2: Indeed. Perhaps then it could be some kind of natural phenomenon, some kind of gas from the river or a mine underneath the town.
3: That only comes out after nine o'clock. It seems pretty considerate of gas.
2: The pressure would drop at night in the dew point, allowing a vapor to rise, much like fog.
3: I mean, I guess that that could be another search. Are there any, was this a mining town? Are there any mines nearby?
1: (laughs) No, this is not a mining town. This is, um, even though they're near the mountains, this town, it's more used for farmland. Do
2: you find anything in your magic box?
1: Well, there's no
3: mines, so there's that theory, gone. So, Angus, what were you saying about correlations?
2: Perhaps we could check the correlations between any car clashes along the highway, where it seemed the sleepiness started for these people in this town.
1: Is there is there a librarian here? Yeah, sure, there's the typical white hair and a band severe look down and to speak typical nose type. I shall approach her. She looks up. Yes?
3: Hi, my name is Marie, um, we're just in town for a couple of days, and, you know, I don't know, is, have you noticed how, like, calm it is here, and like how, I don't know, it was like nine o'clock and I just zonked right out, have you, is it just like the air here, does
1: it happen to everyone? Well, I was going to say it's calm here because it's a library, but then you clarified further, Dear, I'm usually always in bed before nine. I'm not really sure what it is you're talking about. Is there a book you're looking for that I could help you with?
2: Anger so, of course, followed Marie. Perhaps a book of the history of the surrounding area.
1: Oh, certainly, sir. Wait a moment. And she makes her way around the desk and she takes hold of your hand and leads you towards the non-fiction section. She says... This this shelf here is, is dedicated to Hendricks and the surrounding towns and the, the area. That'll do. If there's anything else I could help you with, uh, please just, just ask for Mavis. And she gives you a little wave before she trots back to her desk. You guys notice that the library is actually pretty quiet, although there does seem to be a few school kids and teens sitting here and there. It looks like maybe they're studying. Although some of them don't look like they're studying, if you know what I mean. And there's one girl sitting on her own. She's got her head in a book, a big thick reference book. And you notice that she has bandages up her arms. And she's sitting like right next to the shelf you guys are at. And you hear some of the other kids giggling and laughing. One of them kind of comes up behind her and shoves her head down into the book, smacking it against the pages. They kind of laugh and run off and rejoin the pack. The girl makes a show of not caring, although you very much see she is caring and tears welling in her eyes. Would there be a way to
3: hypothetically um, flash the gun that I have at the kids being little shits without the librarian or the girl being teased, noticing?
1: Wow. Um, Just hypothetically. I'd have to make you roll for that. I would say act under pressure. Or I guess protect someone, because I assume you're doing it in order to protect them from bullies, in a way. So you can either act under pressure with cool or protect someone with tough. But you better grow well. This is a very bad idea. Yes, it is. Um, You seem to be full of them, but... Act under pressure. (laughs) That's fine by me. I mean, you know,
3: what's the worst that could happen?
1: And at that blatant tempting of fate brings us to the end of episode one. Sean, Celeste, and I hope you are enjoying the roleplay and questionable choices these characters have made so far. Episode two is already available for you to listen to, so get it now. If you have enjoyed Redgate and Wolf, then please leave a rating or write a review if your podcast catcher of choice allows. If you'd like to spread the word of our little indie podcast, then please share us with your online and offline friends and family. For more information about the podcast, the characters, and our social medias, please check out our website, redgateandwolf.com. I think that's all for now. Don't forget, you can listen to episode two right now. Thanks for listening.
2: No, Velma, we should go investigate.